Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a Sideline Sleuth. Welcome back to our first official reboot episode. I hope you guys like our new logo and music and feel like they are much more our vibe than the previous ones we had. We are loving them. And items with our new logo, as well as some other new designs, are now available on our Tee Public store for purchase. And they look really great as stickers. Just so check it out. Saying. And buttons. I have them as buttons too. Or a t-shirt, whatever. Just saying. So today we are going to talk about a solved ish case from 1965 commonly referred to as the icebox murders i say mm-hmm. solved ish because the only suspect vanished presumably he fled the country and he was declared dead in absentia but they never actually closed closed the case for real on june 23rd 1965 an elderly couple fred and edwina rogers were found murdered in their montrose home which is a neighborhood in the houston area is Houston? Yes, another Texas one. Frederick Christopher Rogers was born January 19th, 1884, and his wife Edwina was born October 8th, 1892. Respectively, they were 81 and nearly 73 at the time of their deaths. Houston police officers went to their home to do a welfare check after Edwina's nephew reported that he hadn't been able to get a hold of his aunt for a few days. Police found nothing alarming initially. There was food sitting on the table, and it looked like whoever was there had maybe just stepped out. You can probably guess from the title where this is going, though. Officer Bullock was just about to leave when, for whatever reason, he decided to open the refrigerator. He later recalled, quote, I opened up a refrigerator and seen nothing but meat stacked in it. My partner standing next to me made the comment that it looked like someone had butchered a hog, end quote. But, yep, it wasn't a hog. Inside the Rogers refrigerator were stacked of washed, unwrapped meat neatly placed on the shelves. Washed? Like, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. Do you wash meat? Is that like a thing? Like, uh, Me and Jonathan actually recently had a debate about this. Like, do you wash meat? Like, I think black people wash meat, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't know, because it's the lack it's like of melanin cultural. in my skin. I don't, don't, I, I don't yeah. know, but I also don't eat it, and so whatever. But his quote continued... We didn't know it was a body until we got ready. It's washed by looking at it. I don't know. I don't. I don't even touch meat. So, so what does officer do it in the fridge? I have a lot of questions. He needed a beer really quick. It was the sixties. I don't know. So that's what I really was thinking. Like he wanted a beer. (laughs) So we didn't know it was a body until we got ready to close the refrigerator, and we could see the head down in the bottom of the vegetable bin. End quote. Not keeping it moist. But there were actually two heads. There were actually two heads in the vegetable bin, one belonging to Fred and the other to his wife, Edwina. But we'll get to that later. Who would kill this elderly couple and in such a gruesome way? Police wanted to talk to the third person who lived in the home with the couple, their adult son, Charles. So let's talk about him for a second. He was born December 30th, 1921, as Charles Frederick Rogers, and he was the second child for Fred and Edwina. Two years before his birth, they had a daughter named Betty, but she died at the young age of 10 due to some kind of accident. Charles studied at both Texas A&M University and the University of Houston, dropping out of A&M in 1942 and later earning his bachelor's in nuclear physics from the latter. 
Oh, very smart. So, yeah, smart guy. But childhood trauma. Yeah, yeah. This Look at you. You're picking up on this. Yeah. We've done enough episodes now. You can, like, dissect people. That, and I watch HLN 24-7. <laughs> During World War II, he was a Navy pilot, and he was later employed by the Office of Naval Intelligence, which is the oldest member of the United States intelligence community, established in 1882, but I had never heard wow, about so it until this. so he's really brilliant. Yeah. So after his time in the Navy, he worked for Shell Oil as a geophysicist, though some accounts say he was a seismologist. But Girl, these titles? Yeah, so he's he, like... Oh, great, just English teacher. Like, like, <laughs> English geophysicist? teacher. Librarian. So he did that for nine years before he abruptly quit in 1957 with no explanation. There are a lot of rumors and tall tales surrounding the life and death of Charles Rogers. So if you decide to research him or learn more about him after this episode, make sure you're using credible sources. Rumors, which we'll get into later, include that he was a CIA agent or maybe the person who actually murdered President John F. Kennedy in Dallas in 1963. But <laughs> this, is, this is like, I don't know what words are about to come out of your mouth. Like, I couldn't have predicted any oh, of that. Do you remember that thing we talked about? It was like a headline and it was like... <laughs> Some, I don't know, it was like an adult film star was arrested for manslaughter because his candle, his erotic candle, and it was like a no point in this headline. Did I know the next word that <laughs> was coming was like up? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like seismologist, maybe CIA agent, murderer, president, assassinator. Also yeah. put his parents' heads in a vegetable in, bin. Yeah. But first we're going to talk about the murders of his parents. So something that was really fascinating to me while I was researching the story is that there are archived videos, images, and newspaper clippings from the time period that this happened, which is like way before the internet. And as a librarian, I'm like super nerdy about research and archives. And it was really cool to find actual press briefings from the case in June of 1965. Um, like I'll put the links for the research on our website Soon I can as, get behind that notary. As soon as I update the website. But I actually <laughs> got to see footage inside the Rogers' homes, like, the day this happened. Like, they didn't, they didn't show you anything, like, gory and like, cool. like, just, like, the outside of the fridge. Yeah, though. yeah, you got to see that it's stuff. Like a 60s it, was, it was so cool, yeah. And we, it, we think the weirdest things are cool, yeah, but yeah. y'all are with us, Lisa. Yeah. Obviously, it was later determined that what the police officers originally thought were unwrapped cuts of pork were actually Fred and Edwina's dismembered limbs and torsos. Wow. Why? Like, I don't understand why you put it in the fridge. I have questions. You continue. (laughs) You have lots of questions. Initially, they thought that there was only one victim in the fridge, and it wasn't until after the medical examiner arrived that they started removing the body parts from the fridge and counting them did they realize that they actually had two victims. That actually is really gruesome. During the investigation, the police would later discover their organs in a nearby sewer because they had been removed from the bodies, cut up, and then flushed down one of the toilets in the home. Some of the couple's remains were never located. Man, that's so... Do you this, not eat... Well, you know what? I'm not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like such a disgusting and brutal murder that I can't imagine anybody committing, especially not to their own family. But that is exactly what police started to think happened. Remember, at the time of their deaths, Fred and Edwina were in their 80s and 70s. So yeah, somebody, like... Pretty harmless. Hacked up these old people, yeah. I say that, but... The investigation determined that Fred and Edwina were murdered on June 20th, 1965, which was actually Father's Day. <gasps> Now, if what I told you so far hasn't been grisly enough, it's about to get worse. The autopsy showed that 81-year-old Fred was killed by multiple blows to the head with a claw <gasps> hammer and that his eyes had also been gouged out oh and his gosh. genitalia was removed. On Father's 
Day? On fa- yeah, that's what that's what bothered you. Does that this happened on Father's Day? Well, I just feel like it's so personal. Like yeah. he did his dad. And this eighty-one years old, so seventy-three-year-old Edwina Something had been down, yeah. had been beaten and shot execution style in the head. During the investigation, it was concluded that the couple's bodies had been dismembered in the master bathroom on the first floor by a person with quote some knowledge of anatomy end quote, and there was little blood in the house. It appeared that it had been thoroughly cleaned after the murders, which is really dextery to me. And what little blood they found in the house was in the bedroom that belonged to the 43-year-old son, Charles. Inside his room, they also found a gun on the nightstand and a bloody keyhole saw, which, according to Google, is a long, narrow saw used for cutting small, often awkward features in various building materials. So. Not uh, like a surgical tool. Oh, but... Are you suggesting that that's what he used it for? Well, there was blood on it, right? Oh, I just thought you said the blood was in the room. I'm trying to put the... I have a lot of questions. So (laughs) they found traces of blood in there, but they found no sign of Charles Rogers. The bodies were found on a Wednesday, and the newspaper headline for the following morning was already naming him as the prime suspect, describing him as, quote, brilliant, erratic, and reclusive. This past summer marked 56 years since Fred and Edwina were murdered and their son Charles was never found. He would be turning 100 this year if he was magically still alive, but he was declared dead in 1975, 10 years after his parents were murdered. Wow, this is a crazy story. So... How have I never heard about this? I know, and it was in Texas. I don't... I just... We usually do episodes, like, in the 2000s and more recent, so in, like, 65, my mom was, like, two months old, so... We weren't even thought of. Hugh and Martha Gardner are accountants by trade, but sideline sleuths in their spare time because Ooh. they extensively researched and wrote a book about this case and named it, dun dun dun, The Icebox Murders. They also have like a website it. that I used in my research, also called iceboxmurders.com. <laughs> so now I'm going to be honest with you. It isn't that their accounts are different from what you'll read elsewhere. It's that they're more thorough. So it's not that the police documents and newspaper articles are false. It's that they only scratched the surface of this story while the gardeners dove in. The couple was featured in episode 41 of the true crime podcast Criminal, which is an excellent episode and only like 30 minutes long. So after this one, if you're interested, you should go listen to that. A 2016 article in the Houston Chronicle says, quote, The Gardeners contend that Rogers was a brilliant geophysicist with powerful connections who harbored deep resentment against his parents after suffering years of abuse, mental and even financial, at their hands, end quote. A 2019 KHOU interview with the couple said that they started talking to Fred and Edwina's families, and they weren't surprised that Charles eventually killed them because of how awful they treated him. It seems that all the stories surrounding the family from... In the 60s? They were like, yep, I expected yeah. it. I was waiting for it. It was a weird time back then. I just feel like people were more I trusting, know. so I guess that's, that's just... That's why like there's all the serial killers and stuff in you're the right. 60s, 70s. You yeah. are correct. Because we were answering the door and for people we didn't know. you a murder historian, yeah. and you put yeah. me in my place. Correct. Thank you. So, a murder historian, that's... Oh, I need to You clear. like it? That's on my LinkedIn now. I'm going to go change it. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, murder historian. So, it seems that... Everybody who knew the family at the time thought that Fred and Edwina basically hated each other and that Charles hated them both. Neighbors referred to him as a hermit 
And the criminal episode went on to say that Edwina actually hadn't seen her son face to face in like five years before the time of her death. They said that he go to work. Well, no, he like quit his job like really abruptly, but I mean, he tried to avoid them. Like his mother would pass him notes under his bedroom door, but they wouldn't talk to each other face to face. But it's not like he was like a shut in. According to the gardeners, he had a girlfriend. He traveled. He had a pilot's license and he owned a plane. This is what I'm Ladies, if you don't get to Are you giving see, dating advice? Okay. No, I'm not because like I'm not an expert, but like if you got to pass him a note under his door, but like be like, hi, Mrs. So-and-so, so, I just want to pass, you know, Charlie a note or Freddie or whatever his name is. Charlie. That's not cute. That's not going to go have where you, seen, you think it's going to go. Other than me sharing it, have you seen the thing where it's like the therapist says, but you saw the red flags, right? And it's like. <laughs> me yeah i thought it was a carnival like that's, that's oh. like you knew he didn't speak to his mother and hadn't seen her in five years that's yeah, a if you've got to slip him notes under the door red flag so no. but he he you had a license he owned a plane he owned multiple properties and he communicated with people all over the world through this like amateur radio hobby that he had but i can see how that could be confusing for a girl yeah. like he's he's a complex he's social he's sort of yeah social. he just refuses Hates to everyone. talk to his mom yeah <laughs> so the gardeners researched this case for decades, and they think they came up with a motive, financial abuse. To put it simply, it was money-motivated, and Charles was being defrauded by his parents, his mother specifically. Now, the gardeners' book was technically published as a fiction novel, and I'll tell you why. According to them, 85% of it is fact, things that can be undoubtedly proved. But this case was never solved. No one has ever truly proven what happened to Charles Rogers after his parents were murdered, so that last 15% is speculation, making it not able to be a nonfiction book. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. Because here on Sideline Sleuth, we talk about theories, rumors, and opinions after we give you the facts. And that's what the Gardeners did. The facts are that Fred and Edwina Rogers, who were in their 80s and 70s, were brutally murdered in their Houston area home. Edwina died by gunshot, and Fred was beaten to death with a claw hammer before both bodies were dismembered. A saw and a gun were found in Charles' bedroom, but police were never able to officially determine what happened to him next. I guess, like, the part that bothers me is, like, why did he refrigerate their bodies? Okay, but, so like, I think he wasn't... chop it up, right? It's not like... And I'm not trying to get too gruesome here, but, like, if it looks like pork... Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. is he gonna eat it? I don't know. But, okay, I think he just wasn't trying to leave the house yet. And, like, decomposition smells. So I think he probably just did this to put in the fridge to keep it cool so he didn't make his house reek. Well, yes, even that I understand. But if they, like, at first glance couldn't It wasn't just, like, an arm thrown in there, you know? Right, it that's was what like, I mean. I mean, besides yeah, some it was, parts, like, skinned or something. That, I don't know. That yeah. is what I wanted to say without saying it. So thank you. Yes, you're, but... You're welcome. I just have, like... I, I just feel like if the police didn't happen to discover yeah. the fridge at that moment, like, would there have... He have eaten them? Yes, girl. Yes. And then he would have invited his girlfriend over. And he could and have, like... like and, but they, and they could have hung out in the living room for the first time ever. Yeah. yeah. And she would have been like, this is wonderful. Lady, see these things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is how we walk into this. Yeah. So he was legally declared dead in 1975. And the rest is just some dot connecting. And... Let me tell you now how the gardeners connected those dots. The gardeners say that this murder was very premeditated and that he worked on the ins and outs of it for a long time before he finally made the decision to go through with it on Father's Day of 1965. Yeah, that feels very pointed that it was on a specific Yeah, 
He was also methodical in the way he drained the bodies of blood and dissected them into pieces. Some reports say that the dismembering took place in the upstairs bathroom, with others saying the downstairs master. The gardeners say the downstairs master. You can hear them tell this on the criminal episode, but basically he summoned his mother, 71-year-old Edwina, to his bedroom, where he then shot her in the head before going downstairs to bludgeon his 83-year-old father to death. An insane amount of bleach was used in the home to clean up the crime scene. Reports say that he actually didn't leave the house for three days after the murder, you know, to like cross his T's and dot his I's and make sure that he covered his tracks, which means he really was there not long before those Houston police officers came in for that welfare check, which makes sense because they said it looked like someone had just stepped out. So they probably just barely missed him. Yeah. The gardener said that Charles even then staged the house to make it look like a robbery gone wrong, which I mean is like a nice effort. But I don't know what who like robs a house and decides to murder the occupants, but not just murder them, but like chop them up and well, stick like, them in the fridge. Really long time yeah. to do something so painstakingly. Like, if you're gonna rob a house and then like you have to kill the person there, you're just gonna like. This is probably the most gruesome thing you've ever told me. Hmm, doubtful. But <laughs> but I can't I can't think of one that's worse right now. But but that yeah. So it it's obviously not a burglary if the homeowners are in the refrigerator. Right. Well, I, I guess I'd be curious to know just, what things made it look like a burglary. For lack of a better word, that just seems like overkill. Yeah. But like you would just shoot them and leave, right? Like yeah, if I, mean, I was going to caught. Yeah. If I, yeah. I, I, I mean, loop. ideally you would just like burglarize the home and not kill anybody. But if you had to, it would be like shoot them and leave. Yeah. So in 1968, which is three years after the murders, police released information that they had previously withheld from the public. And that was that one day after discovering the bodies of Fred and Edwina, a man matching the description of Charles Rogers to a T came into a Houston area office building inquiring about a job out of the country. He said that he was a welder and his name was Anthony Pitts. Now, this is all information that the police gave out late. So this is a fact. They believe that that man was Charles Rogers. The rest were dots connected later that the police have never confirmed publicly. So... Let's talk about the mysterious stuff. Charles Rogers goes into this office building under the false name Anthony Pitts. Rumor has it that Charles' long-term girlfriend actually worked in that building and was expecting him so that she could give him the keys to a getaway car, a 1959 Cadillac something. Wait a second. So rewind. So the girlfriend was kind of in on it? Uh, She was was in on the escape, at least. Not necessarily the murder but you don't think in any of those notes that they were passing back and forth underneath the door maybe i don't know so i'm making up parts of the story <laughs> i'm connect- making up my I mean, own fiction when Sorry, we guys. don't know you have to connect it's just it up, been a so. long time i'm just really into this <laughs> the gardeners claim that they traced that cadillac and this quote-unquote anthony pitts to the mexico u.s border in presidio texas which borders chihuahua mexico It has been said that Charles had connections through the oil and mining industries to get into Mexico and find work. And he also owned a plane, as I told you earlier, a Cessna 140, which is a single-engine, two-seater little puddle jumper plane. So here's where the librarian in me, like, nerds the hell out. The gardeners know he owns a plane and he has a pilot's license. Both of these things would come with some sort of documentation. So they use microfiche at the library to look up pilot licenses and FAA plane registrations from the 60s. Whoa. And like, I do this like deep level sleuthing in my personal life. So I just really appreciate and admire when somebody uses it for good and not like stalking. So, 
So they were able to determine like which plane Charles owned and what happened to it. Apparently, Charles sold the Cessna to a man named Pop Fullwood, who turned around and sold it to a guy named Anthony Pitts. If that sounds familiar, it should, because that's the name that Charles gave to the people in the office building in Houston the day after his parents' bodies were found. So here's the thing. Anthony Pitts was a real person, and he was a real person that Charles Roger knew, and this can be confirmed, and he worked with him in Central America. He just wasn't the guy who went to get the keys to the getaway car. Charles just used his name. So the Central America mining people, like Charles Rogers, Anthony Pitts, and some other guy named John Mackey, they all worked together. Charles got hooked up with them because they needed a good geophysicist, and they had some investors in Texas. Everyone needs a good geophysicist. Yeah, I need one. I mean, the investors in Texas needed somebody that could ensure them that they were looking in the right places, so they brought in Charles. He was working in Mexico and Central America, even still using his name, Charles Rogers, but nobody turned him in because he was making them money. Wow. Well, at some point... The Honduran National Police approached John Mackey, and they say that they found the body of an American badly decomposed. They say that whoever this person was, he had a dispute with some indigenous miners over wages, and they pickaxed him to death before throwing his body in the river. This is just a, there's just a, Sounds a like lot of violence. karma. So oh. between the fish in the river and the heat, when they pulled the body out, it was too far gone for identification for them. They asked like John Mackey, like, you're missing any Americans. And he's like, I have no idea who that person could be. But speculation has it that that person was Charles Rogers. But he couldn't say that because Charles Rogers is like a fugitive. Right. So that's what the gardeners like. And they did way more research than like any, even the police did on this case. So huh. now let's talk about like the weird stuff, the conspiracy theories that, about. That was the weird stuff. <laughs> No, that was I that was, fully was already braced for the weird stuff. <laughs> okay, that's like the gross stuff. This is like the we got to rebrace <laughs> the what? So the CIA and JFK assassination theories. So remember, these are theories that come from the rabbit hole that is the internet. Was ready? Yes, basically, <laughs> and you should take them as that. So it has been stated that in the fifties, Charles joined the Civil Air Patrol, which is a, according to Google, a congressionally chartered, federally supported nonprofit civil auxiliary of the United States Air Force. It's like a whole lot of words. So, apparently, while being involved in that, Charles met this guy named David Ferry, who would later be accused of having involvement in the nineteen sixty three assassination of President JFK in Dallas. Now, this part I found on PBS, so we like and trust PBS. We just <laughs> talked about this. So if you're not familiar with the JFK assassination story, he was murdered in a motorcade while riding in an open-top convertible on November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas. The main suspect all these years has been a communist American guy named Lee Harvey Oswald, who killed a police officer shortly after JFK. And then two days after that assassination, a guy named Jack Ruby shot and killed Oswald while he was being transported and... You know, that's all fact. I but, love that you started that. It's like, you're not familiar yeah, with the assassination like, of JFK. I mean, there might be people who are. So, but back to Charles and David. So, in the 50s, David Ferry, who was said to be a political extremist and eccentric individual, commanded a squadron in the New Orleans Civil Air Patrol where both Lee Harvey Oswald and Charles Rogers met him. So, he had these like really crazy eyebrows, and there's like, <laughs> like when you see the photo, you'll like know exactly who it is from the crazy eyebrows. But there's photographic evidence showing that David Ferry and Lee Harvey Oswald knew each other. And there's like no evidence that they knew each other in like 
like they met up in the 60s and conspired to kill the president. Right. But New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison alleged that David actually is involved in that assassination. And we do know that Charles knew David and David knew Lee Harvey Oswald, who is the air quotes JFK murderer. Anyway, yes. that's like a, that's like a lot of words. But yeah, so he's like he knows some the guy who knows the guy who killed JFK. Yes. Okay. So, in 1963, this guy named Jack Martin began making accusations that David Ferry was involved in the assassination. He told police that David quote was supposed to have been the getaway pilot in the assassination and that Ferry knew Oswald from the Civil Air Patrol. So, where does Charles fit into pilot? That? This is this is a very sophisticated getaway plan. plan. So, there's this book that I have not read, nor do I plan to read, disclaimer, um, called The Man on the Grassy Knoll. And that's like the spot in Dallas, for those of you who aren't here, that like marks the location of where this assassination went down, like on the roadway. So there's this theory, and physics has pretty much like debunked it, but the internet is insane. So the theory is that there was two shooters in the assassination. And the book, The Man on the Grassy Knoll, claims that that second shooter was Charles Rogers, and that he was actually a Houston-area CIA agent, and that's why he, like, abruptly quit Shell and didn't tell anybody why, because he was working for the CIA, like, super secretively. genuinely wrote a book that accused him of being? The second shooter. And, like, physics says that there is no second shooter, but, like... Yeah. But there are people who don't believe that, so... And I'm, like, pro-science, so I'm gonna go with that. But this guy thinks that there's two shooters and the second one's Charles Rogers, so... Huh. Why would the CIA want to kill the president of the United States? Well, apparently the CIA was trying to kill Fidel Castro, and that's like this like a, too much. I don't know. <laughs> and JFK was found out about it, and he was like super mad. So then the CIA was like, you know what? We're just going to kill the president. What? And three yeah. men were arrested in Dealey Plaza, which is like where like right by the grass. So right anyway, but there's no arrest records of that. Like, they just arrested these guys and, like, let them go. So... The moral of the story is the whole JFK assassination thing is a hot mess. Yeah, there is. If you're ever in Dallas, you should go to the Sixth Floor Museum and you should learn all about it. I haven't been to that. We should do that. Let's do that before you abandon me and move. So, there are no official uh, records of those arrests, but it... I don't know. I think... It's kind of sketchy that there are no records of that Yeah, that is kind of sketchy. And... There's a lot of sketchery But I really think that's, like, reaching. I think he probably killed his parents because they're... Yeah, I... I think he did the icebox murders. I don't know about JFK. But if you Google Charles Rogers, you're going to find like all this crazy stuff about how he actually killed the president. So it was weird. But okay. So this is the craziest story you've ever told me. That's so not true. I've told you some like Jalea Davis is the craziest story I've ever told you. So, okay. Like did, is the motive for killing his parents like financial abuse or is it that Edwina knew too much. Like, people say that mm. Charles had been getting some really bizarre phone calls, like some top-secret CIA stuff, and that mm. Edwina was keeping tabs on it, so he had to kill her to, like, silence her. I don't know. She was, like, old. Like, what does your right. 73-year-old mom like, do? Who is she telling? Is she tweeting it? She's not. She's just, like, so, telling the neighbor lady. I, I don't know. I don't know. So, the gardeners... I also comp- find the, like, financial abuse thing tough, because, like, you have a plane, sir. That's true. Okay, so okay. the Gardeners completely discount the CIA JFK stuff, uh, although they do them, they do acknowledge that he knew some CIA people from when he worked in the oil industry. You think we probably know some CIA people? I think I, I so. Know some CIA people. I think I told There's you this secret. story one time about how my brother used to tell people because he's fluent in Russian that he was actually like an undercover linguist for the CIA, but it was really just like get laid. I think. 
when we were well, younger. Well, you know, everybody's got a hustle. And <laughs> he's uh, married now. Ladies, so, we just um, warn you against all these things. If you look at my source list later, just like if you want to ignore all the JFK conspiracy links, like that won't hurt my feelings because it is a <laughs> rabbit hole. But um, here is what I think happened. I think that that's all really far-fetched, and I use public records a lot in my research for this pod and just, like, being a sleuthy person in general. I use it mainly for, like, online dating when I run background checks on men that I'm going to meet for the first time. But um, the Gardeners really did their due diligence. Like, they are a sleuthy accountant couple, and they they discovered that Charles Rogers actually owned the home that he killed his parents in and there was some documentation that Edwina was claiming ownership of the property and taking out liens on it that Charles wasn't aware of. And she was financially benefiting from these. And like anytime there's not a lot of information about something, people like to just make it up. So because Charles Rogers was a really private, like reclusive person and there's some mystery surrounding him, people just like, you know, they just fill in the blanks with whatever they I've want. Been doing but that like, this whole <laughs> like But the facts are that he owned that home and that Edwina had taken out liens against the ah. property that he didn't know about. So I don't know if stealing money from your kid warrants like a bullet in the head and a skinning, but his neighbor said that they were also like abusive, right? Yeah, so there was a lot of stuff going on. I just think about, the but. how gross that murder is. It had to be way more personal than like your mom well, knew too much about I your CIA. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, happenings. Um, maybe with the lean thing. At first, I was like, "You got a plane? You chilling, man?" But maybe. I don't know. According to Hugh and Martha, the widow of John Mackey, which is one of his Honduran associates, um, like met Charles after the murder. Like, so she no. can confirm that, like. He fled ah, so to, he. like, the police haven't been able to confirm that. But this lady's like, yeah, he was down here working with my late husband. Gotcha. But again, nobody was saying anything because he was helping them make money. Right. And John Mackey is never on the record. So it's, like, that. logical but not, like, confirmed. Okay. There, there are fragments of a real trail about what happened to Charles Rogers, but, like... We'll never know, yeah. kind of. Did he probably just, like, dip out and flee the country? Yeah. He had the means and the connections to do so, and... In 1972, three years before, so he was he was legally declared dead in 1975, and in 1972 they like bulldozed his house because they were just like this yeah. dude's gone, and it was an empty lot for a long time, but now it's some condos, so haunted. <laughs> That's gonna be the next message I get from people anytime something creepy goes <laughs> on. People are just gonna be like haunted. That's your new tagline. So, um, so we don't like know know what happened, but we have a pretty good idea, and as always you can decide for yourself. Thank you for listening to Sideline Slits. If you like what you hear, please drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or generally rave about us on your favorite streaming service. Positive reviews help us out a ton. A special thank you goes out to Chris Petro for this episode's music and editing. We love hearing from our listeners, so if you'd like to share comments, reactions, or thoughts on the show, you can find us at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths.